if you look at our Thrive model, do you know that you're intended to thrive? John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life to the fullest. So we believe here at the Vineyard that you are called to thrive and grow. And so we believe that that happens in four really simple ways here at the church. One is through worshiping God. That's your Sundays. The second one is be in community. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about here and we talked about last week in our growth groups. The third way is getting equipped. Uh, we want you guys to get equipped to do, and the last thing is do this stuff. And so um, at w as we are talking about our vineyard communities this morning, um, if you could pull out this little piece of paper, it's in your communicator, um, and there's one side that has growth groups. So growth groups are six to 12 weeks long. Most of them meet here on the church campus. And if you go to the other side, we have these vineyard communities. The vineyard communities, they are kind of long-term groups, and they meet their week, Lord. I pray over John. I pray that you'll speak through him, Lord. Use him as a vessel, Lord, and I pray for our hearts, our eyes, our mind, our ears to just be ready for what you have to tell us. Thank you again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Chloe. Well, um, I want to say thanks, first of all, to... The group, we had a work day yesterday, and uh, you guys did amazing. Like, we, we actually got a new wall put up in room 7-8 for the new staff office space. Um, we put up um, security camera stuff. We, we did all kinds of stuff yesterday. We cleaned windows. So thank you, thank you, thank you for serving and giving. It was a great uh, day yesterday, so thank you guys. And then also, we wanted to mention that you guys, most of you know this, um, Ross McLeod uh, passed away this last week, and so Diane is with us today, so is Mike, and um, you know, our hearts go out to the family in the middle of this, and we want to support them and walk by them through this process of grieving, and so we'll let you know, um, as we'll give you updates regarding when the, the, the memorial service is, but uh, just keep the, yeah, Mike, go ahead. September 24th. So let's, uh, and next, next week we'll get that in uh, the communicator, the bulletin for you guys, so you guys have a better reference point. So, um, so be praying for them. Actually, can we just pray for you guys right now? You know what the Bible talks about? The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. And so we, um, we gather around this family, and we just, we, so Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we thank you for Mike and the rock that he's been in the middle of this. So, Lord, we pray for Diane and Lori and, and all the family, Jesus. And so right now, Lord, we ask that your peace that passes all of our human understanding would just be with them. Lord, we thank you for Ross and what you did with his life over all those years. And, Lord, we just pray right now for uh, all the family as they're, as they're grieving, as they're walking through the process. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Be with them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, we're starting a brand new series today. And I'm really excited about this new series. It's called Think. And we're going to be talking about, over the next four weeks, how do we renew our mind? How do we re-engage with what we're thinking about? Because whatever we think about, eventually we do and we step into action upon. And so... Thinking is such a big issue 
in the Bible, and I want to talk about that. I want to say, how do we actually renew our brains? So some of us, we just go through life, and our brains are on overdrive all the time, and they do, we just let them go anywhere. And I want to talk very practically, how do we actually do something about this? How do we renew our minds in Christ Jesus? And so today I want to specifically, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how do we discover joy in our Christian lives. So uh, my very first pastoral job, I was a children's pastor in Pensacola, Florida, and it was when I was going to, I just finished my undergrad degree in psychology, and I was at this little, I was at this two-year Bible school, and um, I had no clue what I was doing. No clue! And so they said, you look pretty eager to do something in ministry at this little church called Brentwood Church. And so why don't you, they just had the children's director, horrible situation. Um, he had a big meltdown on Sunday morning. So they just like threw me in there just to just, just take care of kids ministry. And I said, okay, <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. And, um, and so we started talking about worship with our kids. We started going through, what does it mean to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus? And there was one kid, one family that started coming to the kids' ministry um, after, uh, after we started reaching out to the all the, the community right behind the church. So there was these kids that would walk to church, and one of these kids' name was Robbie. And I'll never forget his name. Um, because of the situation and story, I'm going to tell you right now. So Robbie, like, Robbie came into our kids' ministry not knowing anything. Families unchurched. He started growing in his faith. Um, he, like, and one day, like, he would just wander up to the front during, like, the worship time, and some, like, some of you guys did today, and he would just, like, kneel down and hold his hands out like this, and you could just totally tell that God was pouring out a deep, profound love in Robbie's heart. And so, one day, Robbie's up there, and he's, like, worshiping during the song time, like this. No, actually, he had his hand, like, up, the, up here. And um, another kid touched his back of his heel. So Robbie goes from this to like, he turns around and looks at the kid that just touched his heel. And this is not a joke. He goes from this to this. And like every bit of fear entered the kid that touched his heel. Okay, so he's like ready to punch the daylights out of this other kid. He's shaking his fist. And then he comes back around, he kind of puts his head down, and then he goes back like this again. <laughs> Eight years old. Eight years old. And one of the things I realized was that Robbie, little Robbie, eight years old, trying to understand his faith, trying to connect with God, he went from being in the spirit to being in the flesh, just like this. But before he went from being in the spirit to being the flesh. His thought, thoughts always precede our actions. And his mind went from being connected and in the spirit with God. His mind went to being in the flesh first. Because our actions always come after our thoughts. And, and so you can see this like spirit, flesh, spirit, just like some of us, right? Now we might not switch so fast in our lives. Um, but many, many times we have to say, God, how do we work through the thoughts that are going on up here? How do we refine our thoughts? 
how do we turn our thoughts towards you and your kingdom? And so this sermon series is about thinking differently. Thinking differently. And one of the things that you have complete control over in your life is your thinking. It's like the one of the very, very few things in life that you have 100% control over. You cannot control all this other stuff. We try to control our whole lives. Here's one area that you have complete control over, and it's your thought process. What's going on up here? Your thinking, my thinking, profoundly influences everything else, doesn't it? And most people are oblivious to the habitual way of think that we're thinking, and therefore, we're experiencing less joy than God intended in our lives. Um, and actually, if you are human, which I think all of you are, um, we're in a constant search for joy in our life. Most people try to find joy in something, like possessions or wealth, or someone in relationships. And yet God has a whole other package for us called joy. And as humans, we all search for joy. And I mean, it's, it's our natural heart inclination. We search for joy in the wrong places. And once in a while, we get a sporadic taste, a little taste of this thing called joy, a sliver of the real deal. And most of the time we settle, most of the time I think the Christian community settles for the, uh, the counterfeit. Something that's not real. So joy is not a distant destination. I want you to know that. Um, it's not something that at, at a certain point in your life you're going to realize, oh, this is what, as soon as I get A, B, and C in my life, then I will have joy in my life. And that's the way our society tends to function. Like as soon as this and this and this are there, then I will have joy. Um, you will never arrive at joy because joy is a pathway that we walk on with God. We travel each and every day. So one of my teachers in eighth grade, I was in public school system in Michigan, and one of my teachers was a Christian. He had his Bible out oftentimes, and, um, and he had underlined one day like this, uh, uh, something about joy, that's all I remember, and then he had a question for us as we started our class, and he said, everybody take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write one thing on the piece of paper. At what point in your life will you be filled with joy and you will be the most happy? And so as a little eighth grader, I started thinking, and I, here was my thought process. I'm, I don't know, how old is eighth grade? Like 12, 12, 13. Okay, so I'm 13 years old, and I'm thinking, at what age am I going to be the most happy? And I, in my brain, I was thinking, well, I'll probably be married and have a house and a white picket fence, and uh, I'll have maybe a, a child or two when I'm 35. When I'm 35, I'm going to be the most happy. How many people are 35? Anybody? Okay, no. Okay. So that was what my brain said. When I'm 35, I saw that hand. <laughs> When I'm 35, I'm going to be the most happy, okay? I'm going to be most filled with joy at this point when it, it, I had a destination mentality. And, um, and so then the professor, our teacher, he said, what if you could be most happy and filled with joy right now at age 13? And I was like, huh, I never thought of that. Why? 
Why am I putting this date out here waiting for something? It is not a destination, guys. It's a choice, a choice that we move to travel on each and every day. Uh, joy must be deliberately cultivated in your life. Joy has to be deliberately cultivated. How do you cultivate joy? We start with making a decision that will never, ever again settle for anything less than real joy that God offers. And that's where we have to start. So we have to get to this point where we say, my stuff and that I accumulate, the relationships around me, that is not going to dictate the joy that I'm feeling or expressing right now. Okay, so it starts by saying, none of that other stuff is real joy. Independent of our outer conditions, joy is the result of a relationship with God uh, when it's all said and done. Joy is uh, our hearts connecting with God. It's out of a relationship. And did you know that God gives his kids joy? God gives us joy. And we see this in Nehemiah 12 and Job 8 and Ecclesiastes 2 and Isaiah 9 and Acts 13 and 14. God gives us joy, and it's up to us to cultivate that joy. God gives us joy, we cultivate that joy. And few people have experienced with intentional, focused thinking. We, do you know that we spend very little time thinking about what we're thinking about? Most of us, we just like, our, run, our brains are just running and we never let them shut off. We never do anything to counteract. And next week's going to be awesome. I want to give you a crash course on renewing your mind. Okay? So that's where, where we're going to go next week. But for today, um, we, we're, we're not thinking about what we're thinking about. Little notice to the quality of our thoughts passing right through our brains, right through our minds. And there's no area of your life that's untouched by your thoughts. Your habitual thinking patterns either encourage you towards excellence or nudge you into weakness over and over again. And I, guys, I have uh, good news for you. You no longer have to be a slave to your thoughts. You don't have to. You do not have to be a slave to your thoughts. Your thoughts can become totally different, and as a result, your character can be changed, and your life can be transformed. And... Um, and I've been through this process, I know, like I've said, God, help me renew my mind, and I've walked through a process with God, and I want, partly we're going to be unpacking that over this series. But being joy-filled does not mean that life's perfect, and it doesn't even mean that life's great for us. What it does mean is that we trust God and believe that God has great plans for your life, regardless of what's happening right now. Regardless of what, how difficult life is right now. And you guys, there's no need to be perfect. Concentrate on progress. Stop trying to be flawless. Instead, focus on daily improvement. And I think at this point, I just want to mention one of our values in the Vineyard Movement has always been this idea of being authentic and real. Here's the real me. I'm the real me with all my faults and failures. And as we are able to say, God, here's me with all of my warts before you, um, I choose to... to to be in the light, in your light, and let, let that transform me. And, and instead of like hiding and pretending like everything's perfect, there's, I want you to know there's space here for you to be real and authentic. Okay? So let's live with that tension. 
But God wants you to be completely alive, full of passion, bursting with joy. After all, we're his kids. Would you want anything less for your own kids? So my next thought is living with joy is our birthright. Our birthright. And maybe that's not my thought. That's maybe you could say the Apostle Paul's and the psalmist. Here's 1 Thessalonians. Paul writes, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. King David shows us God's desire in Psalm 30, verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth. And you clothe me with joy. God desires for us to experience great joy in life. He created us with that capacity. Capacity. So there was a Scotchman that wanted to um, immigrate to the U.S. This is back 100 years ago. Uh, he's living. Uh, he, he went to Liverpool to catch a boat to come to the, to, to the United States. His name is Charles. And he bought his ticket. He was so excited about his new journey. He saved all his money he could to buy his ticket. He had very little money left. And so he thought, on my way to America, what I'm going to do is I'm going to eat. I'm just going to buy cheese and crackers in Liverpool and eat that on the way. The journey's over a week. I'll just eat cheese and crackers. Now, at first, it sounds pretty good, right? So he got, he's in Liverpool, he buys all this cheese, he gets his crackers, he's on the boat day after day. And after day one's fine, day two's fine. Day three, somebody walks by with a plate of food, and he smells it. And at this point, day three, he has crackers because of the, the sea uh, water and the air were all soggy. His cheese had become dried up, and all he could think of is, oh, if I could just eat one solid good meal. And so he's thinking and thinking, and he's eating, kind of nibbling on his crackers and cheese, and finally he's like, I'm going to spend a couple of my shillings. I don't have much left, but I'm going to spend a couple of my shillings, and I'm going to have one good meal on this boat. So he, go he, he goes to one of the servers. He walks by, and he says, Okay, I, how much does it cost for me to eat in the dining room? And the lady said, well, let me see your ticket. And she showed, she, he, gave, uh, she, he gave this lady his ticket. She's reading the ticket. And she says, oh, your meals are included in the price of your ticket. This is true, okay? Charles like, what? Damn, I mean, he had been like basically fasting all these days. And, um, and here's what he did. He wanted to save money. S and so, and the crazy thing is, he, s he actually spent more money than he had to because he bought all these crackers and cheese ahead of time. Right? And he could have had amazing meals on the whole journey. And this is a picture of the position of many people who lived and have given their lives over to Jesus. Because their faith they're saved, and they go on their miserable way without applying blessings of God, without applying the kingdom of God. You know what we have today? We have like crazy amounts of cracker and cheese Christians that are walking around 
And they're like, yeah, I'm doing fine. But yet you're having soggy crackers and dried out cheese. And life is not as it should be. There is something so much more. God's kingdom offers us great joy above what we've ever realized if we're willing to go there. They're called crackers and cheese Christians. Okay? Now, despite your past, regardless of your current circumstances, your future can exceed even your wildest expectations. There's one catch, and one catch only, and that is that you need to learn to think like God. You need to learn to think like God thinks. John, how is that even possible? Well, it is impossible literally to think like God thinks, okay? I want to say that. But we can learn to focus our thoughts on the things that reflect and honor God's character. It's not easy, but it's simpler than what you think. So how does God think, John? Well, to understand how God thinks, first you have to comprehend who God is. And just with a quick glimpse, just a little peruse through our Bible, we realize that God is love. And God is all-powerful. And God is ever-present and all-knowing and absolute truth. And is, God is holy and merciful and faithful and just and unchanging. And I could keep going and going, right? And to think like God, we must become intentional about mirroring his image in all that we do. And nowhere is this more important than in our thought life. What's going on up here? The verse on which this whole series is based on is Philippians 4, 8. And um, we're going to read that. If you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. And um, we're going to start actually in verse 4. It'll also be on the overhead. So here's Paul. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everything, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this in verse 8, which is the verse that this whole series is based upon. Now, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. When, so Paul's like, kind of, he's getting to the end of this letter. One final thing, everybody. Now that you realize this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Fix your thoughts on what's admirable, honorable. Fix your thoughts on what's pure. Fix your thoughts on what's right. Fix your thoughts on what's lovely. Fix your thoughts on what's excellent. Fix your thoughts on what's worthy of praise. Paul says, fix your thoughts, your mind on this. Do you know that the human mind, and this is, this is good, the human mind is will, has to set itself upon something. Your human mind has to set itself upon something. And the question is, what are you going to set your mind upon? It will. It does it automatically. It sets its mind in all kinds of things. But what if we started using this as a grid for what we're thinking, as a rubric, and say, to the exclusion of everything else, here's what we're going to think about in our thought process. <gasps> Just that would change a lot of our uh, one author said, our stinking thinking. We have a lot of really stinking thinking in our lives. 
And that would change it if that was our grid. He said, this is how we're going to look at what we're letting pass into our minds. And we're going to exclude everything that doesn't line up with this. If anyone has ever been justified with being negative, it was the Apostle Paul, right? He's fairly accused, he's in prison, he's facing death all the time, but he chose to emphasize the possibilities instead of where he was really at, instead of the problems. And in his letters, he changed, uh, charged believers to think differently and rise above worldly standards, to rise above the status quo and what we tend to think about in our everyday lives. And as a prisoner, he didn't whine about his poor conditions and bad food in jail or his bad luck or being chained to guards or even the things that he missed, right? Paul wrote in a spirit of gratitude, encouraging, joy-filled letters to his churches when he was in prison. Like we just finished the book of Philemon last week. And for three weeks, we, we navigated Paul's letter. And even in prison, right, he's, he's old and he's filled with joy and, and he's, he likes life even though he's in prison. If anybody had a good excuse to complain and whine, it was Paul. But he didn't. He had renewed his mind and said, Here's, this is a good grid in which we should process and think about what we're letting enter our minds, and how we're to process. So Paul wrote in the spirit of gratitude, encouraging, a joy-filled manner. Do you know that Paul's thoughts were showing? Do you know that um, your thoughts are showing and my thoughts are showing at all times in our lives? They're showing. They just kind of show through. We don't even have to necessarily say them, but they're showing through with how we're presenting ourselves. Our thoughts are showing. The Anaconda Mining Company, they set out from Banach, Montana, in search of gold. And these prospectors, they dealt with hardship, and they ran out of food, and they're miserable, and the Native Americans uh, took all their horses, and they were wandering back to their base camp, and they stopped at a stream. One of the guys saw this rock, and it seemed heavier than normal. He took his pick, and he broke it in half, and there's this huge gold nugget. He's so excited. They start to pan in this stream, and there's, um, they're panning golds everywhere. They're all excited, right? So, and so they said there's three of them left. Actually, a couple of them had already died, but there's three of them left. And they go back to Banach, Montana, to gather supplies and go back to this spot. And they vowed to each other, we're not going to tell a soul. We can't tell anybody, or guess what's going to happen? Everybody's going to come find this stream, and we have struck it rich, and let's, let's just be quiet. So they vowed to each other not to tell a soul. They went back to Banach. They hung out. They gathered their, some supplies. They're ready to go. None of them had said anything to anyone. And as they're leaving town, 300 men followed. <laughs> Do you know why? Because their face and their experience Russians gave it away. They didn't share with anybody, but their, dis- their thoughts were showing through. Guess what? Your thoughts are showing through. My thoughts are th- showing through. Paul's thoughts here are showing through. 
what you do, good, bad, originates with that single thought. The single thought. And the secret conversations you hold in your mind are shaping your destiny little by little. The average person thinks, they say, they, psychologists say the average person thinks 50,000 thoughts a day. Um, and this is either good or bad because every thought moves you either towards God or away from God. Nothing's neutral. Everything's either moving us towards or away. And what we persistently think about, but eventually and inevitably it crystallizes into the words we speak and then the things we do. So it goes think, speak, do. Right? Think, we think about something, eventually words are going to come out, speak, and then we end up doing that. Every thought you have uh, shifts in your little particular, shifts your heart and your direction of your life in a particular direction. Sometimes in major ways and sometimes just in little minor ways. Now, a pro they estimate also, so you have 50,000 thoughts a day, but they've also said about 90% of those thoughts that you think today are the same thoughts you had yesterday. Okay? So what we're doing is we're repeating a lot, only 10%'s new. Like, oh, what should I have for breakfast this morning? That's maybe, but you may have thought that the day before, though, right? Um, so only about 10% of our thoughts each day are actually new. Now, for some Christians, this is fine and it's good because you've worked on renewing your mind. Other Christians, this is really, really bad because we haven't worked and we haven't thought through what we're thinking about. Okay? So. Let's make a shift from random, reactive thinking to deliberate, purpose-driven thinking. Because we have authority over thoughts. But God's not going to force you, right? God doesn't force anybody to do anything. He doesn't force us to exercise or eat healthy or read our Bibles or wear your seatbelt. God doesn't force us. Right thinking is a choice you make for yourself. Romans 12.2 says we are, we are taught that transformation is a result of a renewed mind. So here's Paul in 12.2. Uh, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the idea is that you have to train your thoughts and feelings if you want to experience God's ideal for your life. And when our minds are renewed, you know that when our minds are renewed, circumstances just take care of themselves. Because this thing leads to speaking that leads to actions. Did you know that you cannot be joy-filled without thinking thoughts of joy? Also, you cannot worry if you're not thinking worrisome thoughts. Right? Do you know that you cannot be afraid without thinking thoughts of fear? So much is tied to what we're letting go through our mind. You cannot be afraid unless you're thinking thoughts of fear, right? Can you imagine acting loving while thinking bitter thoughts of anger and resentment towards somebody? It, it doesn't happen, does it? It can't happen. Now, the importance of right thinking is emphasized throughout the Old Testament and New Testament 
Proverbs, we're taught that as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. In Matthew 15, 18, we're taught that people are defiled or made unclean by what's in their hearts. In other words, by the way that they're thinking. Jesus knew well um, that the persistent thoughts eventually lead to action. So did Paul. In, he encourages us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Can you imagine a negative, cynical, self-defeating, woe-is-me thought being obedient to Christ? Right? Think, think about our thoughts and our thoughts being obedient to Christ. And if, if they don't line up there, we, let's change our stinking thinking. Okay? So what you reap, you sow. This is simple. First you sow, then you reap. Nowhere is this more important than in our thoughts, in our minds. Galatians 6, 7, we're told, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, we're warned that if we sow sparingly, we will also reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. So our thoughts, like our actions, have consequences. And as relentlessly as you may try, you cannot think one thing and experience something else. If you desire to live a joy-filled life that's full of God's purpose for you, you must keep your thoughts fixed on the things of God. Putting this into practice is what really counts, and this is what this whole series is about. It's going to be about joy by design. God's design. It's God's purpose and plan for your life in Christ Jesus. So let me give you a couple practical tips today. Here's number one. God gives us joy, we cultivate it. So here's what I'd like you to do with this one. Journal or record a day of your thoughts. Think about what you're thinking about. And then review them. Be honest with yourself. What percent is actually lining up with Philippians 4.8? What percent of those thoughts are lining up there? And just be honest. Where, where are my thoughts going? Are your thoughts fixed on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable? excellent things that are worthy of praise or are they everywhere else in our lives okay so take an honest approach at looking looking at your life and and like with with a lot of like soberness where is are my thoughts at what's going on up here okay so, so just journal about that one day maybe the rest of today now it might be easier because i just said renew your minds and like so we just talked about it but if you record your thoughts, um, even this afternoon, it'll be amazing what, what you realize is actually flying through your mind, okay? Number two, Paul says, fix your thoughts, your mind on, so the human mind's going to fix itself on something, and the question is, what are you going to fix, what are you fixing the majority of your thoughts on? So use Philippians 4.8 as a filter for your thinking, you focus on God and the, God's goodness to the exclusion of all else. So use this, use Philippians 4.8 as a filter. Oh, that's not a thought that I should be having right now because it doesn't line up with God's heart for me in this situation. Okay? And number three, have a heartfelt conversation with a friend, spouse, child, etc. And ask where your emotional home base is. 
Where is your emotional home base? Is it joy? Uh, remember, living with joy is our birthright. Choose it over anger, anxiety, depression, annoyance, or hopelessness. So fill in the blank with what emotion tends to control you. And if we can do that, it can change everything. What emotion, what's your home base? And this is another really good question. This is, this is where we say we're authentic and real. And the real authentic me right now in my life, this is my home base emotionally. Now, God, that I know my home base, help me move in this direction. Help me move over here. Okay. Um, let's all stand. journey together. This is not as simple as like, oh, I, I got it all together. It's going to be a journey. Um, I want you to know that you, if let's say you're, you're 50 years old, you've been programmed for 50 years. So it takes some time to unpack this stinking thinking. But guess what? It's totally possible in Jesus. And the younger you are, the better. Because guess what? You've got your whole life ahead of you. That's awesome. Okay. So, why don't we have our prayer ministry team come on up? And if you need some prayer, um, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Um, so one of the things that I want to mention is if you're here and you just need help with your thinking, you need help. You're saying, God, I, it's, I'm, there's so much going on up here. I just need help. Let's, let's get some prayer this morning. Or maybe you're here and joy is not your center. Get some prayer. Or maybe you're in a rough spot and you just need some prayer. They would love to pray for you. Um, here's a couple of things that came up in our pre-service prayer. Um, there's
there's might be a couple of you here that are saying, I need to live in the shadow of the Almighty. I need life in God. We'd love to pray for you, okay? Or maybe you're here and you want to be set free. You want to be set free. There's You sense it's just bondage holding on you. Let's get some prayer. Or maybe you're here and two things came up for physical healing. One was severe and reoccurring headaches, and the other one was reoccurring stomach issues. So if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. We think that that's something the Holy Spirit's wanting to uh, break into your life about this morning. So let me, um, we're going to sing this song together, but if you need prayer, prayer partners are front. The Holy Spirit, Lord, we welcome your living presence. together uh, and we'll have our closing prayer in just a minute but let's sing together if you need prayer prayer partner